much. I'm going to get to that. So, who do we redeem? Who do you, which, how do you define a firstborn? Who has to be redeemed? So the pidyona ben, the child that has to be redeemed, firstly is only males. Only male children are redeemed. Um, the reason is that only Jewish males would serve in the temple. Later, Kohanim serve in the temple in Jerusalem, and the firstborns essentially were designated to serve in the temple, but they don't, so we redeem them. And the Osa, only males serve in the temple, and so for that reason, only males are redeemed. Now, the Torah calls the firstborn, the term the Torah uses for firstborn is Peter Rechen, which literally means opening the womb, the one that opens the womb of the mother. So we know from this that firstly it is a firstborn of the mother, not a firstborn of the father. It is a firstborn of the mother. Now we have other rules in Judaism for which we look at, the also that applied to firstborn, um, that we look at the firstborn of the father. But for this, for the Pidyon Haben, it only matters if one is the firstborn of the mother. The father had previous children, it doesn't matter. If the mother had previous children, then this is not a firstborn, even if it is the firstborn of the father. Now, in not. those days, they had multiple wives, so this could be done multiple times, theoretically. Even today, one can have over one's lifetime more than one wife <laughs> and have more than one firstborn. No, that would be forbidden. <laughs> so now... The definition of a firstborn as a peter rechem, opening the womb, has to be a natural birth, opening the womb. So a child who is born in C- at a, with C-section is not considered a peter rechem, is not considered opening the womb, and would not, um, would not, have, uh, would, would not have a pidyon haben, if they're, um, because they did not open the womb. The child must be the first child, and the halacha is if there is another child that was born in C-section, and then the second child is born naturally, I think they call that today V-back, um, the uh, second child is already a second child and does not do the pidyon haben either. How about if the first child was a girl? Also, the second child is not opening the womb and does not count either. So only if the first child is born, a boy and born natural. First child of the mother is a boy and born naturally. And also, there cannot have been any previous miscarriages. If there were previous chi- children, even if they did not survive, then it is still not the first one. So they still do not do the pidyon habit. So there are a number of conditions. There's also another important condition. The pidyon haben is to redeem those that are not set aside to serve God which would be those that we call Yisraelim, Israelites, as opposed to Kohanim and Leviim. So today, once upon a time, we were split among 12 tribes. We no longer retained our tribal identity. But today, we have um, Jews are split up among Kohanim. Kohanim are descendants of Aaron, our Kohanim. Leviim, people from the tribe of Levi, from one of the Jacob's sons, um, the Kohanim had a special role in the temple. The Levites had a special role in the temple too. And everybody else, the rest of them, are called Yisraelim, or Israelites. Kohanim, Kohen, Levi, Yisrael. 
And so only a Yisrael is redeemed. We only do a Pidyon Haben. We only redeem the firstborn if the child is a Yisrael. Yes, Barry? Is this, is this based on the mother or the father? Very good question. So generally, the Kohanic and Le, Kohen Levi Yisrael transfers only from the father. A child is whatever their father is. Your father is a Kohen, you're a Kohen. Your father is a Levite, you're a Levite. Your father is a Yisrael, you're a Yisrael. However, as far as Pidyon Haben is concerned, it's irrelevant if it is the father or the mother. So if either the father or the mother is a Kohen, or either the father or the mother is a Levite, we do not do the Pidyon Haben. Only if both the father and the mother is a Yisrael. So to now go over the conditions that you need for a pidyon haben. Firstly, they have to be male. The child has to be a male. Neither parent a Kohen or a Levi. It has to be a natural birth and no children born previously, including C-section or miscarriage. There were no previous children born. So because of all of those preconditions, Pidyon Haben is actually not all that common. We did a Pidyon Haben here in this community last year. We have not done, we did actually two last year, but while we do brises all the time and baby namings for girls all the time, barabat mitzvahs all the time, um, we don't do Pidyon Haben very often. Um, it's not all that common. I have six siblings that have children and only one of them did a Pidyon Haben. Um, my, I never did one because my oldest child is a girl, so I never did it. Um, and my parents never did it either because I have older sisters as well. Yes? I would qualify for this, and likely my parents did not do it because of, you know, they weren't as traditional Jews. Excellent question. Very good question. I was waiting for that one, or actually I was going to address it. But let me address that now. Okay. So how old do you do a pigeon haben? So a pigeon haben should be done when a child is 30 days old, or the 31st day, including birth. However, and the pigeon haben, as we'll see in a moment, is done by the father, if there is a father. If there is no father to do the pigeon haben, then anyone can do a pidyon haben on behalf of the child, or the uh, community does a pidyon haben, and anyone can do it on behalf of the child. If the child grows up and has not yet had a pidyon haben, they should do it themselves. And it is never too late to do a pidyon haben. If you qualify to do a pidyon haben, you can still do it. And I'm going to now tell you exactly how you do it. Let me tell you how to do it. Okay, so how is the pidyon haben done? Again, it's not very common. Uh, many of you may have never been to a pidyon haben. Um, we don't do them all that often. So um, let, me exp- let me tell you how it is done. The first thing that we do is we make a big party. Every Jewish ceremony is done with a party, Right? We always um, party. In fact, at the end of, um, we have the main book of Jewish law, the most used book of Jewish law is called Shulchan Aruch, literally a set table, but it's the code of Jewish law. Um, 
And so the end of section one of Shuchan Aruch deals with a question as to a certain date, whether one should make a party, one shouldn't make a party, it's Purim Katan. And um, it concludes that if you're ever unsure if you should or shouldn't make a party, always make a party. <laughs> so we have a big party for the Pidyon Haben. We have a big party. Now, the tradition is that it is a great mitzvah to partake in the Pidyon Haben party. And one who does it brings very great blessings. If you take part of a Pidyon Haben party, um, it atones for, any, for one's transgressions, and it brings great blessing um, to anyone who partakes in a Pidyon Haben party. And for that reason, we have an old Jewish tradition. In order to be able to spread the party as far and wide as possible, we have this Jewish tradition that when we make a Pidyon Haben, we put out sugar cubes and garlic on the tables. And the reason for that is, this is an old Jewish tradition, the reason why we do that is because sugar cubes and garlic, this is before they had the whole array of spices that you see today in the grocery stores. Um, you know, their spice selection was quite limited. Sugar and garlic are cheap, easy spices to get. And so they would put it out for attendees to take home with them and then use that sugar and garlic in their cooking in order the, to be able to spread the food of the Pidyon Haben to their families, to the people they host, in order to be able to spread the party further. That's so, favors, sorry? That's why we did party favors. That's party, yeah, same kind of idea, yeah? <laughs> to be able to spread the party because, it's, because it is a great mitzvah to partake in the party of a Pidyon Haben. So, so we make this big party, and as only we know how to do, how to make big parties. And then in the middle of the party, we bring in the child. The child is brought in, of course, he's a baby, so we bring him in on a pillow. And we try to, um, we try to make it very fancy. As in general, we do mitzvahs, we always make our mitzvahs as fancy as possible. So um, and this is an old Jewish tradition. We make Kiddush not just on a cup, but we use, we're gonna, next we're going to talk about Kiddush, but we use the Jewish tradition to use a silver cup. Why would you use stainless steel if you could use silver? Right? We like can, Shabbat candles. You could use the gorgeous, beautiful glass candles, but tr- Jewish tradition, we've always used silver candles, silver candlesticks, because we try to always beautify mitzvah to try to make them as nice as possible. So the tradition is we bring in the child on a pillow, but we place the pillow on a silver tray. And we also put jewelry all around the child, dress him up um, with lots of jewelry. And um, for the Pidyon Haben, this is more than what we do even for a bris. Um, we try to make it very fancy and we um, put a lot of jewelry around it. And uh, the reason for that is to express that this child is more valuable than all the money in the world. So all that jewelry and silver and everything, all that is meaningless. It is the child that truly counts. So then the child is given to the Kohen. The Kohen holds the child on the pillow. And the um, Kohen approaches, the father... um, 
the father approaches the child. Sorry, the fa- sorry, my mistake. The father holds the child, hands the child to the Kohen, and says, "My child, uh, my wife bore me this son, firstborn son." The Kohen takes the child, and the Kohen says, "Would you like your son, or would you like to give me five silver shekels?" And the father responds, "I would like to give you five silver shekels." And the father then gives him five. The father then give, then makes a. They then make a blessing. And the shehechiyano blessing. And then the father hands the five shekels um, to the, the to the kohen. And the kohen hands the child back to the father. What, what are used for shekels? What are used for shekels? Where do you get shekels from? <laughs> so these shekels were actually used back in the Torah. They used shekels. They used the, they used the original shekels. Now, we once did a class on weights and measures in Judaism, and um, there were a lot of important um, weights and measures that were used um, in Judaism. Um, and so shekels, and we've always tracked what they were and how large they were. And so shekels, um, as they used them back in the days of Moses were coins that weighed about 0.7 ounces. Um, and so five shekels is about three and a half ounces of silver. Now, you need to give real silver. You cannot give dollar bills. Dollar bills are really called banknotes. Banknotes meaning that they are simply notes that the bank owes you. You have a $100 bill. It just means the bank owes you $100. That's all it is. The Federal Reserve is the bank that owes you the money. That's all it means. It's not actual. There's nothing there. It's just a piece of paper. Now they're plastic. But there's nothing really there. It's not real. It's not real. It's not, it doesn't have any actual value. Silver is a metal. It has, or gold. Those are metals. Those have real values. Not just because the Federal Reserve says so. It's not just because the government said so, but it actually holds real value. So you cannot give banknotes just like you cannot give checks or credit cards or Apple Pay. You need to actually give shekels. The shekels have to weigh 0.7 ounces. And they actually make today, they don't need to be shekels in circulation. They just need to be that amount of silver. And you actually can buy, they make today special shekels for um, a set, uh, you can buy a set of five shekels that are the right size for the Pidyon Haben to redeem the firstborn son. Um, and uh, you also, some people, could, you can use, um, you could buy today silver dollars, um, silver dollars, of course, or each way, one ounce, one troy ounce, which is about 1.1 ounces. Um, so each silver dollar is more than enough. Um, so you can use, you, you could probably get away with four silver dollars and you'll have enough silver in there to cover five shekels. Um, but you could use silver dollars as well, which you could get from any coin, um, any coin place that sells um, rare coins will sell you silver dollars. Um, I don't know what they go for today. You might be cheaper to get shekels. So that's here. We've always made silver shekels. You could get silver shekels. First thing, historically, most the papers knew. They used to always use silver. That's what they always used. So historically, it wasn't trouble. It wasn't hard to get silver. You just had to get to make sure that it was the right amount of silver. 
It had to be at least three and a half ounces of silver total. Um, we've stopped using silver now, but most countries also have silver dollars or the same equivalent um, of coins that they make. And again, today you can buy um, from Judaica stores, um, I think you can even get them online, you can buy shekels for the pigeon haben, for the redeeming of the firstborn son. They're the size of the ancient shekels. So he yes. would say a modified prayer, because obviously he's doing it for himself and not his father. You would say, yeah, you would have to modify it. You would say, yeah. Now, you wouldn't say my wife formed me a son, yes. So I have another question. Is, does it have to always be a mass? Because let's say you're in a situation, in extraneous conditions, in the war time, let's say, and there's only the mother's left, and there's the child. Does the mother do it if there's nobody left except for the Kohen? If the Kohen father's not there, anyone can do it with a Kohen. Yeah, right. anyone does it with a Kohen. The com- it's for the community. The community does it. <laughs> in the case of twins, the older one, one just there's only one firstborn. You can only ever have one firstborn. That so was that was me. You were a twin. I, I have a you did have a pigeon up there. Oh, good. So, um, so the pigeon up is not a common ceremony, but it is a very, very important ceremony. Um, but the pigeon up really teaches us a lot of, and I've mentioned some of the important things that we learn already from the Pidyon Haben, uh, some important lessons. But the Pidyon Haben really teaches us something very powerful. The strangest part of the Pidyon Haben is when the father uh, tells the Kohen, I, I'll give the child to the Kohen, and the Kohen responds, would you like your son or would you like five shekels? And the father, at least that's the, in the Siddur, and actually in the prayer book, it gives you the full ceremony and what to say, and it's all in Hebrew and how you say it. Um, so it says, the father responds, I would like my son, right? I'll give you five shekels. Um, but you wonder what sort of question is it? Would the father ever consider responding? <laughs> no. Other words? Would anyone consider, say, you know what? Keep the, fi- keep the kid, I'll keep the five shekels. <laughs> he cries all night anyway. <laughs> yeah, but isn't that what, what it's supposed to be done? Isn't that what God said? Was it? Firstborn male son is no. He's not allowed to serve in the temple. He has to be redeemed. Why? I thought the command is to redeem. It's not an option. The command is redeem the firstborn son. It doesn't say you got an option. If you like, you can redeem him. You have to redeem. They don't serve in the temple anymore. You have to. It's a command to redeem your firstborn son. (laughs) So, So let's say let's say the father said. The son, so. Then he's missed out on his mitzvah. He didn't do the mitzvah. He didn't do the mitzvah. Yeah. So he does have to say, no, I want. But the question is, why is he even given a choice? It's not really a choice. Yeah. Why is the father given a choice? It's a very strange part of the ceremony. Why would you give? Who would answer otherwise? And the father's not given a choice. He has to redeem his son. Otherwise, he's done, missed out on the mitzvah. The son eventually will have to redeem himself if the father doesn't want to redeem him. So he's got to pay the five silver shekels at some point. So he doesn't gain anything. So why do you ask the father, do you want your child or the money? Is there some difference between mitzvahs that you're obliged to do and others that you do um, even though you're not obliged? There are mitzvahs that you are not obliged to do. The classic example is slaughter, shechita. You don't have to slaughter animals. If you want to eat them, the way to eat them is by slaughtering. But you don't have to. So there are mitzvahs that you're not obliged to do. But it is still a mitzvah. So, but, but that difference doesn't apply here. 
No. Here you have to redeem your firstborn son. Yeah. It's a mitzvah. It's one of the 613 commandments. But to answer your question, in today's day and age, there are some times where the father is not really the natural father. If the fa- oh, the na- it's the biological father that does the pijon habet. But what if he's not on the scene? What if it was... Uh, then anyone does it. Whether another father or adopted father or someone else can do it on their behalf. But who would choose? So why do we even ask the question? You don't really have a choice. It's not really a choice. Why would we ask the question, do you want your child or do you want the money? So the explanation is that, unfortunately, although too often um, people um, offer that people will, uh, uh, we of course will say we'll never offer our child in exchange for money. Um, my mother-in-law said she was once, I think it was in a music park, she was in a park somewhere, and someone actually came over to her and said, um, I'll give you a million dollars for your child. Oh my. And she like looked at the guy, and he's like, no, I'm serious. And she got so scared that he, maybe he really was serious. Who knows? But um, who would ever do that, right? Who would ever take money for their child? But unfortunately, while people sell their children... It does happen, yes. But hopefully, people wouldn't. Most people wouldn't do it, and um, it's not definitely not a normal thing. But unfortunately, what happens is we often subconsciously or without realizing it, we often do sell our children, and we do it all the time. Um, we often tell our children, I don't have time for you. I'm busy with something else, right? I'm busy doing something. I don't have time for you right now. I need to take care of something else. Is that really more important than your child? Sometimes it is. Um, often it's not. And we all do it. I'm a parent, and so I'm guilty Unfortunately, it's something that we do by habit. We're in the middle of something. We're in the middle of something important. And we overlook our children because we're in the middle of something else. We're essentially selling out our children. Saying that something else, it may not be five shekels, but whatever else it is that we're doing may not be worth that much more. And we somehow believe that it is more important than our child. Or commonly... People often say that they don't have children or don't have more children because they cannot afford it. Can you afford to have a child? Well, it depends what you mean afford. If it means that you might have to give up on certain other things in order to have a child, well, what's worth more? What's worth more, your child or your vacation? Would you give up an annual vacation to have another child? Is it worth it? Would you perhaps work for five more years and retire five years later to have a child? Is it worth it? So often we say that um, we, don't, we can't afford a child, we can't afford another child. Um, and when I, I gave a class on children, having children and um, uh, the mitzvah of having many children about a year ago, and over there we mentioned this, that um, nobody regrets, says, I would have had one child less. Have you heard anyone say that? <laughs> I wish I would have had one. I had three kids. I wish I would have just had two. Right? You ever hear anyone say that? I might have said something. 
my mother did while we were growing up. But then, but then, um, but you always hear people say, I wish I had one more, right? How many people say that? I wish I had another child. I wish I would have just had one more, or I wish I would have had more children, right? We all say that. So it's something that you, you don't regret. And the child, because we, at a certain point in life, we recognize that the child is worth more than our time, more than our efforts, more than ch- raising children is very, very expensive. It's not cheap to raise a child. It's the most expensive thing you'll ever do. It's probably more expensive than buying a house. It's extremely expensive, but you've got to buy a house to raise your children, right? It's part of it. But by, raising children is extremely expensive. And it's also very, very hard work. In the early years, it's a lot of sleepless nights. Then as they get older, it's a lot of sleepless nights. And um, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of very, very hard work. There's no easy, um, there's no easy um, route to raising children. There's no simple way. This was just to have at least one boy and one girl, correct? That's a minimum. But that's the mitzvah. You have one boy and one girl can be satisfied. Your mitzvah. You've you've reproduced yourself. That's good. So, but so every so every time when a, a person has a child, it's very difficult. A lot of sleepless nights. It's very very hard work. And more cho- children, it's even a harder work. And there's no shortcuts. There's no easy way out. There's no shortcuts. There's no easy way to kind of have an, make it easier. It's going to be hard work. So it's probably going to be the most difficult thing you'll ever do. And it's probably the most expensive thing that you'll ever do. And nevertheless, we have to recognize that our children are worth more than five shekels. And despite the difficulty and this, despite the expense, our children are still always worth it and still always worth more. And that's why the Kohen asked that question um, of their children. So that's the power. It's a rare mitzvah. If you get a chance to do it, hopefully Don's going to have one. Maybe we could plan one at the end of one of our Sunday classes. Bring in a Kohen and we'll plan, plan a Sunday class. Um, yeah, we'll have to figure out a way to do it. So, so but we could. We've. I, I've done it with adults before. We actually brought them in on a like a. Silver tea set. So. So we need, sorry, adult us themselves. They have to do it themselves. They do it themselves. They do it themselves. So, uh, so uh, anybody who hasn't done it, um, definitely I would encourage you to do it. Maybe we could do a mass ceremony if there are others here who have not yet done it. Um, come up with a week and bring in a Cohen and do it here one Sunday morning. Um, it's a great, it's a mitzvah one of the 613 and a very powerful one as well.